call that a news update? This is a news update. It's Neighbourhood Watch. This week on Neighbourhood Watch, federal politicians are ordered to take sexual harassment training while former youth inmates who were mistreated in a Northern Territory youth detention centre received a settlement from the state government. But I began with Radio Adelaide's Zoe Canandes on the COVID restrictions in both South Australia and New South Wales. Yeah, so South Australia, we are out of lockdown as of uh, as of Wednesday at midnight, uh, like in the morning, 12.01 a.m. Wednesday, we were out of lockdown and it was very exciting, all very appreciative. Some people are sort of in disbelief that we were able to just kind of get it done and go in lockdown and then um, be able to come out of lockdown. Obviously, in South Australia, we're still under restrictions. Um, you know, places aren't opening at full capacity. This, that, the other. Mass masks are sort of mandatory on places like public transport. As I mentioned last week, we did have the Delta variant here in South Australia, so people are still being very careful. Um, although I went to the Adelaide Central Market yesterday, and it was maybe like 50-50 mask wearers, which is, I don't know, I don't know. Anyway, that's just a little bit of goss for you all there. Um, but New South Wales, on the other hand, um, not so fabulous. Uh, they've recorded 177 local cases yesterday. It's 6.30 a.m., so I won't have today's update, but this is sort of yesterday's. 177 local cases, um, lockdown extended for four weeks, Um Single bubbles now allowed in Greater Sydney. Um, so if you are living single and someone else is living single, you could have a bubble, which is nice. Um, but yeah, they're going to be in lockdown until the end of August. And it's really devastating to see um, it happening. I don't really know, have the answers as to why South Australia to go into lockdown for a week and New South Wales, I have to do it for like two months. You know, it's obviously something to do with more population in New South Wales, but yeah, it feels really heartbreaking for them to know that they're going to be going through lockdown until the end of August. Yeah, it's really tough as well, considering um, the Trans-Tasman travel bubble is also called off for at least two months. Yeah, that's right. I actually had a friend who went to... Auckland at the beginning of our lockdown so that a week ago and now she's going to be living she's just going to stay there because she can't be bothered trying to get back um, yeah I know it's really sad isn't it I feel like we were all really excited about the Tasman bubble Tasman bubble and um, yeah I mean it makes sense that New Zealand would pull that off obviously but um, yeah it's really sad for families you know, as we know so many of us have families in New Zealand or, you know, you guys have families in Australia. So it's just really sad to know that we're going to have to be waiting again to all be reunited. But, um, yeah, not good. Mm, yeah. Well, fingers crossed everything will be better in a couple of weeks. But now let's move on to our second topic of the day. Now, the federal government has, well, agreed on sexual harassment training for politicians. Mm-hmm. 
They sure have. So this kind of came out of an independent um, uh, inquiry into uh, sexual harassment and workplace safety within Parliament. Um, obviously, you'll be very aware of incidences like uh, Brittany Higgins and then what followed from that, the big Me Too movement we saw coming out of Canberra and lots of you know, female uh, women MP staffers and other staffers coming out with their stories of workplace harassment, sexual harassment or sexual assault. And so now we, a few days ago, the government have announced that they will make politicians and staffers uh, go through sexual harassment training and it will be absolutely mandatory for government ministers. And they're saying that they're not going to do, um, so a, a name and shame list of non-attendees would be considered for other members, which is um, something. And then also they will be um, threatened with a sack if they do not complete this training. Um, and it's um, it's you know it's a definitely a welcome step forward. The training is one of um, several recommendations um, the government have agreed to follow after this review of the parliamentary workplace. Um, and it's it's a good step forward. There were um, 10 recommendations. Um, uh, so, yeah, we'll see how it, this goes. Like, it, it feels really positive. Um you know, there's going to be other things like giving um, MPs and Parliament staffers um, a way to be able to tell their stories to someone, you know, higher up and things like that. Like, you know, they seem to be taking it way more seriously. So it's a good win, but I guess time will tell and we'll only see how this culture of sexual assault and sexual harassment and manipulation and bullying will change in the future of Parliament. Hopefully it changes sooner rather than later. Um, but, you know, it also really depends on the government who's currently in Parliament and their sort of stance and everything. So, yeah, we're hoping to see change and mm. more transparency, certainly. Let's go to our final topic of today. Now, several youth inmates in the Northern Territory have uh, received a settlement for mistreatment while they were incarcerated. Mm -hmm. So up to 120 youths who were mistreated in the detention centre, uh, Don Dale, um, in the Northern Territory, um, will or could share in a $35 million class action settlement um, brokered with the Northern Territory government. So it's really exciting. Um, these young people, maybe they're not young people anymore, to be fair, um, they'll be able to take their share of this money. Um, the deal covers anyone who was mistreated in the youth detention centre between August 2006 and November 2007, uh, sorry, November 2017. And so it's very exciting. Obviously, it's awful the things that these young people had to go through. 
and um, the abuse and the assault that they were facing whilst they were, you know, locked up. But they were also only children, which is just so awful. Um, you know, hopefully this compensation will be able to help them now. And, um, you know, it's good to see that the Northern Territory government have put their hands up and, um, you know, well, I guess they haven't because they went to a court, right? But you know what I mean? Like, it, at least um, the, the Northern Territory government are paying the price now and um, having to face the consequences of what they did to these young people. Um, obviously, here in Australia... Um, the age is something ridiculous, like 10 years old, and I'm sorry that I don't know it off the top of my head, but I think I've spoken to you all about the um, Raise the Age campaign, and yeah, so a child can be locked up from the, from 10, um, and there's a big call um, for people, for Australia to raise the age to at least 14 years old, so, you know, um, we're still trying to fight that battle and trying to get that across the line. To not have 10 year olds uh, locked up in jail um, but in the meantime you know stories like this um, really show that lots of people care and this um, behavior is abhorrent and um, vile so um, yeah it's a good win for the young people uh, who had to um, be in Dondale from those years that I mentioned and um, yeah really hoping that we can see more like this and then also hoping we can see the Raise the Age campaign um, get a bit of traction from this and um, be able to move forward more because it's still ridiculous that a 10-year-old can be put in prison in Australia. That was Neighbourhood Watch. Ripper. <laughs>